You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, well, let's just start us out in prayer. So, Father God, we just thank you that you are in this place tonight, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do your work in our hearts, to bring us into a place of surrender, bring people courage to take an honest look at themselves, use my testimony to bring people out of their hiding places and into your safe and loving arms. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start with our scripture. It's kind of a long one. It's in Isaiah 54, 1 through 4. Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who did not travail with child for the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed, neither be confounded and depressed, for you shall not be put to shame, for for you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you shall not seriously remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Mm. I mean, that scripture, amazing. Um, So the title of my message tonight is Unashamed. And this is going to be my journey from hiding in a prison of shame into be fully, being fully known and unashamed. And just a side note, take a look at this little slide here. I mean, who here has their own professional slide maker that they're married to? I mean, I don't know about you, but Morgan was basically begging if he could do my slides. So uh, great job, sweetie. Um, so, um, I really believe that this scripture is a great prophetic picture of what God wants to do in all of our lives to take us out of hiding, enlarge our tents and walk out this life unashamed. So if I'm, if what I'm talking about you tonight, like really resonates with you, I want you to go back to that scripture, write it down because I'm not going to be able to dive into it, but I really think it's like a blueprint of like of healing, of like God's plan of healing. And like, it's like a blueprint. It'll tell you like the little things in there of what he's going to do and like what your responsibility in it is. So I don't have time to unpack it, but just go home and study that word. And God here is talking to the barren woman and you can, you know, easily replace the word barren with whatever labels you put on yourself or what people put on you addict, depressed, anxious, divorced, failed business, lost everything in 2020, uh, you know, abandoned, failure, you know, you name it. Um, But in biblical times, barrenness was actually considered a curse or a punishment. And it was one of, you know, the biggest sources of shame on a family and not just for the woman, but actually for the man as well, because his offspring was so related to his honor. So this was like a family shame. It was like a big deal. So um, so this is the scripture is just a beautiful picture of God bringing beauty from ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. And that's exactly what he wants to do with our lives today. And, you know, this, this scripture beautifully describes what God has done in my world. And um, you see, I was that barren woman 
living in shame, hiding from God, living a really small life. And I'm going to show you how God took my life of brokenness through a process. Like in the scripture, seeing O Barren One, he gave me my song back. I enlarged my tent through the process of surrender and obedience. And just like the scripture says, the blessings, um, actually the blessings in my life, I know are more numerous because of the things that I walk through, just like in the scripture. And best of all, the former shame of my youth is such a distant memory that I am on the stage right now in front of hundreds of people about to tell you all my ish and all my take it to the grave stuff. Like, I'm going to say that that is freedom, okay? All right, so I'm going to start with my first experience with God because I think that's just such a foundation for us, you know, whatever you, f- you feel about God, either you don't know him, you know him, you think he's, you know, a loving father, or you think he's scary. Um, that's the foundation of how we approach life. And so I grew up in my early years in a very ultra religious church, and it never taught the love of God. All I remember was learning about the things that I shouldn't do so that I won't be on God's bad side and go to hell, and then things that I should do so I'll be on his good side and that I'll go to heaven. And so It was such an incomplete picture of God. It was so lopsided. You know, God hates sin. God is a God of justice. But if that's all you know about God, then you're never going to have intimacy with that, with with a God. You're never going to, you know, have a connection. God is going to feel frightening. He's going to feel distant. And so, you know, that was was my foundation. And and the other side of that, uh, my parents were very, very broken. And my childhood was filled with a lot of chaos and dysfunction. And my dad, when I was about five years old, uh, he started um, using drugs heavily and he got into meth use. And if anybody knows that drug, that's probably the darkest drug that you can think of. And his life spiraled out of control. The life of my family spiraled out of control. My mom became suicidally depressed. She barely would get out of bed. All my memories as a young child was her in bed. She had to be institutionalized. Um, She she also, to cope with all of this, she just numbed herself. And so she basically, you know, got addicted to to prescription medication, you know, because she just didn't want to feel and she couldn't cope. And so about the age of eight years old, I stepped away from my childhood and I stepped into adulthood. And at the age of eight, I was an adult and I basically took on the role as the fixer. So it's like, oh my gosh, what, um, what can I do to fix this? How can, how can I help everybody? How can I mend this situation? You know, and I actually was riddled with depression, anxiety, like severe anxiety and insomnia. Like at the age of like nine and 10 years old, I remember being up at night, like just like, oh my gosh, okay, we might be homeless, um, you know, because my mom wouldn't, like, she would tell us everything. Like, we were her, her friends, you know, and like, tell, you know, just burden us with everything that was going on. So it was just like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And so I'd be up at night just thinking, like, what can I do? And so I just thinking about, like, my first memory of shame. And there's so many of them, oh my gosh. But this one, like, I think it was like the first time I really, like, felt shame. So when my dad left, um, my parents foreclosed on their house and 
basically the, the people who bought our house was like a classmate of mine at my school. And they, the mom, she started spreading rumors around the school that they found drugs in our house, which, you know, is probably true. But <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a pretty low blow, right? Like that's awful you know, to spread that around the school. So, and I knew it, right? So I just, I remember, like, that was my sanctuary going to school. And I remember just being so afraid, like, to face him, because he was in my class, and just, like, thinking everybody's looking at me, everybody's talking about me. I felt like an outsider. I felt so, like, disgraced and shameful and, and judged. And so, um, you know, that's really when shame, like, took a hold in my heart. And there was a lot in between here, but I'm just going to fast forward to the young adult years. So, um, so this is when I decided that God was not to be trusted, and I already felt so abandoned that I just rejected him altogether, right? So um, things got pretty dark, and I started partying. I started doing drugs, lots of drugs, things that I said I never, ever do. Started going to raves. Oonch, oonch, oonch. That's right. That's right, Shannon. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean, Pastor John said I'm pretty gangster, right? So that like proves it right there. So I do have a gangster side. Uh, and I, I started looking for God like in like new age stuff. Like I was like doing all weird, like demonic, like new age practice stuff and totally opened myself up, right? So, um, and I felt so rejected by my dad that I decided that the answer was, if I can get a man to love me, if I can get a man to want me, then that was my answer. That was the answer to my value and my worth. And so when I was 22 years old, I found the answer. I found the guy. And our dysfunctions matched so well together, you guys, like so well. He was super insecure and super controlling. And so he would like, you know, like, I don't want you to see these people and I don't want you to do this and I don't want you to go here and I don't want you to make that decision. And it was like, oh my gosh, like that's love. Like he wants, I felt like, you know, it was something that, that actually was a compliment to me. You know, that's how broken I was. I felt like it was a compliment. Like somebody loves me that much that they want to know everything about me and do everything for me, you know? And so, you know, funny how like, you know, just, just being in, um, you know, an unhealthy state of mind, it, it twists everything. And so, and so I painted every red flag green and I just went like full steam ahead into this relationship. So, and then a bomb dropped two years into our relationship. He got really sick and he had to be hospitalized and he had to like take a bunch of tests because they didn't know what was going on. It was totally out of the blue. So after he got out, he sat me down and said, I have to tell you something. The results of the test showed that I'm HIV positive. And I would have had it for at least a couple of years now. So I'm 24 years old, and I'm planning what my death would be. I'm planning how to tell my parents that they will no longer have a daughter. I was planning to tell my twin sister over there, like, that my best friend, that she, she won't have me. And, uh, you know, my entire world shattered, you know, in a moment. And the following Monday, that was on a Friday, the following Monday, I got tested, and there's no 
worldly. There's no scientific. There's no doctor that can explain that my test was negative, that my test was negative. The only thing that can explain that is a God of miracles, is a God of miracles, because it was a miracle, you guys. I should have, I should not be here telling you the story. So for the first time, I actually felt the love of God. And I, even in my rebellion, he decided that I was worth a miracle. And I gave my life to Christ at that point. I opened my heart to him. And that's when the transformation process began. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. So, <laughs> and I, I made all these outward behavioral changes and went to church and, um, you know, I just, things started to change. Absolutely. But the core inside me of my identity, the core inside me of, you know, how I, I felt worthless and I felt like I had no value. And I, I, I was just so lost that that wasn't the thing that changed. You know, it's like when you give your life to Christ, things just don't like all of those patterns and all those mindsets just don't like magically disappear. Like you have to go through a healing process. And so I continued to hold on to this idol of this relationship and I stayed with him and I even got engaged to him. And meanwhile, I had this like outward facade of like, oh, I have this great life and this seemingly great guy and we're going to get married. And in the inside, shame gripped me. I mean, I was, I felt so much shame. And it actually is the thing that kept me in the relationship because it told me that this is the best I'll ever do, that I'm damaged. And so like, I might as well just stay. And it made me isolate from people and not get the, let, let them get too close. Cause if they knew like what I chose for my life, you know, then, you know, they would, what would they think of me? And I felt like a complete fraud. And so three months from my wedding, another bomb dropped. And I like to think of this analogy, Shannon, you will love this. Um, we had, me and my sister bought a car. Um, and it was our first car, the Chevy Cavalier Z24, you guys. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And, you know, this thing was like the biggest piece of junk. It was a nightmare, you guys. And, um, but it had a great stereo, okay? Like, it had a great stereo, so, yes. Ooch, 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 that's right. So, uh, so it used to, like, make noises and, like, clunking sounds and things that shouldn't be going on, and all I would do is turn up the radio, and I was like, doo, doo, doo. like, I don't hear anything, and that was how I lived my life. I mean, you know, in this relationship, it was like, you know, there's flames coming out of the car, there's smoke, you know, and I'm just like, like, you know, and it was the same in this relationship. Holy Spirit was just like, get out, you know, SOS, you know, and I was just like, nope, this is my answer. This is my answer. And I clung to dear life until God stepped in. And so uh, after a drug-induced psychotic delusional episode, I had to call the police on him because I found out that he was using meth. Hello, familiar spirit. Hello, generational curse, right? Right? 
followed me. My demons in here were like, hey, I know you, you know, and, um, you know, and this is, I didn't know this. This was complete. I had no idea. He was living a completely double life. And, you know, basically um, he was sleeping with prostitutes, sleeping with men, sleeping with women, living this like absolutely dark, dark, dark life. And so once again, all the places that I put my identity into and my val- and all of my value and all of my worth, you know, just shattered in front of me. And it completely failed me. And, you know, that dark night of the soul was like the best thing that ever happened to me. And it led me to complete surrender. And so started with a forgiveness process. And um, that's a whole other story. But um, I found that the bitterness and the anger actually turned inward. Like I had so much self-hatred and self-punishment. And you see, there was a, a, sh- a secret that I was hiding, a residue from my past. So I was protected from getting the HIV, but I was not protected from getting an STD from him. And I saw it as my punishment. I saw it as something I deserved. And that old mindset of God, like the punisher, you know, came and is like, you know what? You didn't follow the rules, so I'm going to zap you. You know, this is what you deserve. And so I just felt like I had no right to bring God into it and no right to ask for prayer. But thank God for a church that taught me the love of God, the power of the cross and the Holy Spirit. In John 8, 36, it says, if the Son made me free, then I am free indeed. And the Greek, I looked up the Greek translation and that says free from control or obligation. I'm no longer obligated to my past once I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Psalm 103.10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. And so I finally surrendered. I went on a surrender journey and got this inner healing that I needed so badly. And All you old schoolers will remember Andrew Kabbalah, right? And he came, and um, this was back in 2012, and he is an anointed, anointed healing minister, and he um, he's actually Pastor Leanne's brother-in-law, and he came, preached, and you know asked people to come up for healing, and for the first time, I actually believed that not only could he heal me, but that he wanted to heal me. And so I went up for prayer. That was nine years ago and never came back. It never came back. I have been completely and totally healed. Completely and totally healed. Yeah. And what the doctors once again said was incurable. The blood of Jesus reversed the curse. And I'm going to end with this story. So when I met my amazing husband, my now husband, you know, we, we dated really quickly and got engaged really quickly and in five months. And I, I still had this secret. And it had only been like a year or two. So I was like, no, no, is it still, you know, like I didn't know if I was healed. And, you know, I still just carry it. The, the shame was still there. The shame still, the residue of the shame was still there. And I knew I had to tell him. And 
you know, I, I finally got up the courage and I had all of these pictures in my mind. I was like tormented by, I, I, I knew how it was going to go. He was going to throw the ring back. He was going to, you know, tell me that, um, you know, that he wanted to call off the engagement and that he would probably like throw something and then he'd kick my dog and I don't even have a dog. So I'm like, you know, that's what fear does, right? Fear, like fear twists things. It's not, you know, it just twists things in your head. And so I got the courage. He came to my house. We sat down on my couch and I was, I couldn't even look at him. I like the shame just overtook me like in a hole in a tunnel. And I just remember I was, I couldn't even look at him. I had tears just welled up in my eyes and it probably took me three or four minutes to get the words out for me to tell him my secret. And it's silent. And I had to look up and I look up and I see Morgan with tears in his eyes and the biggest smile on his face. And he said these words to me. He said, I've never loved you more than in this moment. And then he just embraced me like for what seemed like an hour and just held me. And all of this shame just came off of me. I let somebody into the, the, the darkest parts of my heart. And that was the thing that healed me. Yeah. And then it was, and then it was followed up with, "Is that all you got for me?" <laughs> and if you know Morgan's story, then you know why, right? So, and I believe that this was such a prophetic picture for all of us that God is waiting for us to stop hiding, to stop performing, to allow Him into every area of pain and regret and shame in your life. The antidote to shame is to be known. And I promise that if you are willing to bring God into those hiding places, that all you're going to hear is the same words that I've never loved you more than in this moment. So remember that Jesus experienced every single difficult emotion that we have, shame, betrayal, injustice, rejection, abandonment, and he nailed it to the cross. So you do know how to have to carry it. You were never met to carry it. God does not want us to live halfway free, almost free, somewhat free, like with any chains around us. He doesn't want you, he wants you to live unashamed. Shame is a weapon of the enemy to kill, to steal, and destroy your relationship with God, with others, and with your kingdom assignment. And the exchange on the cross was our shame for his righteousness. So in this place, if you know that shame has kept you in isolation with a mask on, not truly being known, has kept you from getting close to people, from living life on the outside looking in, please don't leave here tonight without bringing it to another person. God cannot work in the areas that you leave hidden. In, in Awaken Recovery, we say you only stay as sick as your secrets. And the first step of healing is getting honest with yourself, honest with God, and being planted in a healthy community. I know a good healthy community. So um, 
And just like the barren woman in the scripture who ended up with more children than the unbarren, I'm just prophesying that your blessing is going to be greater because of the things that you walk through. Okay. And I'm just going to pray for us tonight. So, Father God, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are bringing freedom in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to set the captives free, that you love us so much that you died a brutal death on the cross so we can exchange our shame for your freedom, that there is no mistake or sin that is greater than the power of the cross. And I speak to every stronghold of fear that has gripped people in this place, and I command you to get off of their lives. Loose every person here of the chains of shame and regret that has caused them to live in bondage. And I break every demonic assignment that has kept people hidden, isolated, and away from godly community. And I release courage, hope, and the peace of God into every heart here tonight. Let them encounter your love in a way that will heal every broken place in their hearts. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.